Welcome everybody to the business podcast where we pour out weekly business lessons from entrepreneurs and business owners from around the world. I'm your host, Super Joe Pardo, and my guest today is making his dreams come true by bridging the gaps between dreams and reality, something that I do regularly, something that I can definitely get behind. Ladies and gentlemen, wherever you are right now, give a big, warm welcome to our guest, Terry Ogburn. Woo! Well, thank you so much, Joe. That was a very exciting introduction there. I appreciate you having me on your show. You are absolutely welcome. Terry, why don't you get started by giving some background about yourself? For my uh, business life, uh, actually started when I was um, probably about 12 years old. I wanted a bicycle, and my dad um, said, well, how are you going to pay for it? And I said, well, I can get a paper route. So we had to figure out how many nickels I was going to earn in order to pay back the, the money for the bicycle. So I had to, I wrote my first what we would call business plan when I was about 12. And um, so that went on, you know, and then everything else uh, led from that, lawnmowing business, so forth and so on. And in um, 1979, I decided to uh, open up an air conditioning company. I was living in an apartment complex that had gone condo, and they had a broken furnace duct. I had been fired out of the car business. Um, so I was without a car, truck, had nothing. So I paid up all my bills had $118.42 left and decided that I could fix these furnace ducts for $15. There were 264 units. That's about $4,000. That'll give me a chance to get get my feet on the ground and, and get something going. And then the next thing you know, my ambition took over. Some mentors happened along the way. Um, Jim Foxworthy, uh, Jeff Foxworthy's father, was actually my first mentor. He had come down to open IBM here in the Tampa market. And he bought a condo there and so pulled me under his wing. He said, let me show you how to do this. And uh, so from there, I went on into, uh, became the nominated for small business uh, man of the year. Then I became young businessman of the year for Florida. So I started helping people in 1985 with their businesses and uh, largely because of the mistakes I made. I created systems and processes that would fix that so that they'd have a better chance of of making it. And then in 1989, I took it into the corporate world. My By that time, I had developed a system. Um, the system has never failed me in, uh, in all the years that, that, since 1985. And it's very simple, little recipe for success. And took it on the road, went into... Uniglobe Travel, um, Radio Shack, um, uh, took a company public, uh, launched, uh, merged the platforms between AT&T Wireless and Metricall Paging, uh, even took it into the real estate industry too. So the system works. It's just about you implementing and, and executing the, the processes. And, and anybody that listens to this show knows that I'm a huge processes guy. I, I always say focus on the top. It's right at the top of my website, you know, team offer and process. And, and the foundation of team offer and process is the, the processes that they go through. Um, and it's all to build relationships, right? That's the, that's the bedrock. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say exactly. Um, 
the seven habits of highly effective people came into my life early on and uh, that was a, has been a mainstay in my life about inner, you know, interdependence, you know, learning how to work together as teams, getting teams to work together. Um, that's the crux of any business. Yeah, no, absolutely. Cause it's all just people. Like, it doesn't matter if it, if you got a, like Amazon is still just all people like, yeah, I'm interacting with it. Um, but the thing is, is the only thing that keeps, that keeps me going there is price and customer service. And customer service is a big one because if you know if the price is totally wrong, I'm not going to be there. But once I am there, the customer service is what's going to keep me there. Exactly. Um, in fact, in my organizational chart, uh, when I devise an organizational chart for a company, the or, it's actually upside down. The customer is the boss. Mm-hmm. So we build a, our organization around uh, a pyramid going downward so that the low man on the totem pole is actually the CEO or the owner or the president type thing. Yeah, well, that actually is like the complete opposite of what I've always said. But basically, I've always said because people are like, oh, it's, so it must be nice to be your own boss. And it's like, yeah, so you have like the warehouse people, the sales people, blah, 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 CEOs at the top. But it, like it starts over because it, it's like a like there's a like a recycle symbol because the customers are at the bottom of that of that and it goes all the way back up and starts back over it doesn't like a waterfall like a reverse waterfall but i think that when she's explaining it to people i think what you're saying it makes a lot more sense for people to visualize that yes if the customers go away tomorrow um there's nothing left for any of us to be doing so <laughs> give you a quick story about that uh when the first company i had obviously was an air conditioning company and joe the the understanding of people's wants and needs you know it's very it, you know became very paramount in everything we do um the the interesting thing was the air conditioning customer they they um needed their air conditioner fixed what they wanted was for me to do it on their time schedule so when I went to the technicians, I said, well, how can we make this work? And they said, we can't because we never know how long we're going to be on a job, whether we're going to be there an hour or we're going to be there five hours. And I said, well, we got to fix that. So I took the, um, the power out of the technician's hands and gave it to the dispatcher. And then the dispatcher, they had one hour to diagnose or fix the equipment in one hour. If they could do that in an hour, they could stay on schedule for the day. If it was going to take more than an hour, then it would come back and they would radio in and they would find out when the best time between the customer and us for us to get there. And oftentimes the person would say, hey, listen, if you could come back at three o'clock when my wife is home um, and uh, so I can get back to work, you know, type thing. So uh, learning how to bridge that gap, as you alluded earlier, it's, it's that's all it is, is trying to figure out what it is the person wants and what their needs are and, and building that bridge uh, to connect both sides. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, well, it, it comes back down to like communication, right? So relationships, communication, it, it, it's, um, it's one and the same. So like people feel like they're taken care of if there's that line of communication, as soon as that line of communication starts to feel like it's disappeared or faded the, or the perception of that, that's when you're going to start running into those issues of like, Oh no, I don't feel like I'm being taken care of. And, and, and that might not be, that could be the furthest from the truth. It's just a matter of what they feel. Exactly. Um, my uh, when I sold my uh, air conditioning company, I sold it to my employees or a, f- a couple of the employees, 
And there was over 7,000 customers, Joe, that had done business with me for three years or longer in an industry where uh, people said, you know, they only were going to spend money with me once. So I developed a philosophy even back then, find them, keep them and get them to spend more money. Well, yeah, because it's easier to get people to spend more money with you. It's harder to go find new people all the time. Exactly. I mean, because that level of trust from that communication, from that relationship building, all of that, um, the processes that they're used to, uh, the familiarity that they're used to is is the safety that you're building. So it's, yeah, it's all very reciprocal. Now, I'm curious, what were some of the first steps you took to, to get started when you were like, okay, I did this, this successfully. I've won some awards let's go help some other business owners. Like I know that that personally can be a, 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 a tough thing because there's a lot of, you know, business owners a lot of times have big egos and don't feel like they need help. And they're like, Hey, what we made a million dollars this year. That's amazing. Like how do you, how, how, what was some of the steps you took in the beginning to get people past that, that, uh, that roadblock? Um, stripping away the ego is, is the first and foremost thing to do that the people have to realize that, uh, we understand it's your baby. We understand, we get that. Um, and you want to be very protective of that. Um, but explaining to them that the, the troubles that I went through. So it's always easier to help someone when you've gone through the, the trenches, you know, when you've made those mistakes and you can identify, you know, because the first question that a client I think wants to know um, is, do you understand my problem? You know, and if you don't, if they don't think if I had a dime for every time somebody said, yeah, Terry, you just don't understand, you know, I would be a, a very rich man because people th- think that their little world is all by themselves. You know, they're they're living in this little bubble. And when it really comes down to it, uh, it doesn't matter what business that you're in. You have to have infrastructure and you put infrastructure in place, then everything else will will manifest from that. But if you don't have a core, if you don't have a good, solid base to stand on, your business is going to crumble. So a lot of times uh, the, the business uh, will be a couple years into uh, their business life, and then they realize they need help. So you have to also know that that sweet spot is that you know three to five-year period that is where they're really going to be open to your suggestions. In corporate America, it was a lot easier because they understand that they, they need people like you and I to come in and fix them and, and, and put systems in place. Um, so it's just a recipe, you know, for success. Um, like in Uniglobe days, um, when they looked at my system, uh, it was in one little, um, franchise and, and the sales aspect of it took off. And so this company started growing. Well, the region saw that growth. And then, so they want to know what they were doing differently. So they said, well, we have this guy, Terry and da, 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 and he has this, this concept of going out and getting business. And so they asked me if I could do that in, in the regional level. And I said, sure, it wouldn't make any difference. Of course, I was, my knees were rocking because I'd never done it in such a high level of, of uh, corporate America. And we took that company in the first year, we reduced um, our the franchises down to 17. Then we t- took and went and got most improved region. And then two years in a row, we using this my systems, we uh, 
grew the region and became most improved region two years in a row. And that that's pretty difficult to do to to accomplish most improved twice in a row. So, <laughs> yeah, I would imagine so. It's not something that I could say I've heard much of uh, <laughs> out there. Um, but it's all it's just um, uh, taking and and looking at what your the 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 problems are, identifying them, putting them on paper. A problem defined is half solved. Okay. Once you have the problem, then you put the resources that you need to make that happen. Like for an example, and a lot of small businesses, you know, they are very proud to say they bootstrapped their business up, they took it from the ground up, and and they made themselves into something. Um, but you don't hear the stories about the eighty percent of the businesses that who ran their business in, into the ground. Okay. So um, what I've learned over the years. Um, especially after taking uh, being a part of the team that took the company public, if you get all the money that you need, if you get all the resources that you need to build your business first, you have a better than a 90% chance of success. So, you know, don't be afraid to go out and, and get money. You know, one of the things I specialize in is writing funding plans to get, get people money for their projects. Um, money's easy to get. Um, we're not talking about going to the banks, not small business loans. They're looking for collateral. You're looking for somebody who a private investor that wants to invest in an upcoming, uh, startup and be on the ground floor of that and make some serious, uh, they get some serious return on their investment. Hmm. Yeah, well, definitely. Um, so, so, but like, how, how did you go about getting those, like that, those first couple of clients? Well, you have to, you know, it's prospecting um, 101. I, I just have a different way of prospecting than, than most companies. I don't believe in the spaghetti model, meaning I don't throw a bunch of stuff on the wall and hope something sticks. Um, I've been a firm believer in developing relationships, as you alluded to in the beginning. So you have to go in and you have to get rapport. You have to gain their, you know, trust in, in the people have to trust you. And so that uh, largely uh, comes from getting testimonies. So I would have testimonies of from uh, clients and I say, okay, well, here's what I was able to do for this industry. It's just like if you go on my website right now, terryogren.com, and you look at my testimonies, you'll see a whole uh, array of 30 to um, uh, 45 second minute long um, testimonies of people who uh, are genuine from their heart of what I was able to help them do. And that is your biggest, um, you know, especially when you're for coming from my world, you, you have to have trust. People will not, you know, people say, well, why don't you just go ahead and create a, an ad campaign? Well, nobody's going to hire me based on a Facebook ad or, or anything else. They have to be, it has to be a trust level. So it even takes time, even when getting to know a client. We may have three or four meetings before we even ever get started on, on my presentation on how I can help them. Mm. Yeah, I, I could, you know, I, I experience that all the time. So, yeah, I, I just wanted you to uh, fill in the blanks for some other people who, you know, maybe they've thought about hiring a, a business consultant or coach or something to that effect. But, um, you know, what is it? What's it take for them to to feel that way? Right. And that's that's what you just filled in for us. And, and a good point there, because, you know, 
some, you know, sometimes consulting has a bad connotation on it. Uh, coaching has a bad uh, a rap sometimes. Um, so that's why I even labeled myself as a, a, a business development. Okay, so if you look at my card or you look at my description of who I am, I'm I'm business development. I contribute to the bottom line of a company. And if you're making a company money, then they're very happy to keep you. Um, like my client in Chicago, uh, we've been together six years, uh, seven years in March. Okay. Um, well, it's because we, that we keep growing his business. When I first started with him, he was touching 35 lives. Today, he touches over 350 lives in four different organizations now. So when I came on board, we had one. But we took the construction business. We then expanded it into the construction maintenance business. Then we opened an uh, investment company to buy the buildings that would, uh, would help him grow his portfolio. And now we created an umbrella company that holds those three companies, and he gets paid from each company for being the CEO of each one. That that is incredible. So yeah, I I'd agree though that I mean in in every case you know the 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 people that are the detriment are the ones that aren't bringing in money to the business. Um, so like the administration and stuff like that, uh, you know, adds a adds a weight to a company. So you got I like I like that you 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 turn that from like oh I, I'm a detriment in some people's eyes to I, I'm here to make you money. Exactly, and <laughs> and not only that, but. Um that each employee, um, and I think another mistake that, that young business uh, uh, entrepreneurs make is they view their employees as liabilities. And every employee um, can be and will be an asset if you understand how to create them uh, in that capacity. Every person in the company should be contributing to the bottom line of your business. And you say, well, how would a uh, receptionists, um, you know, contribute to the bottom line. Well, it's, uh, things like, um, the way they answer the phone, um, the customer service that they provide, um, the follow-ups that they make, uh, following through, um, checking like my dispatcher, um, in the air conditioning world, her responsibility was to call every customer after the, the work was completed to make sure that, the work was done uh, correctly and to the satisfaction of the customer. And she, in the beginning, you can imagine what her, her language was. No, I don't want to do that. No, I don't want to call them, you know. And I said, Mary Beth, that's the only way we're going to find out how to do our work better. So embrace it and look for ways. And so I then went on to start training my people at 7 o'clock in the morning when other people were not even at work yet. My team was there being trained from 7 to 7.45 every morning on customer service, how to uh, win the customers over. Uh, we would even take um, and do little extras like every truck um, had, on, uh, had in its possession the screws, the quarter inch and the, uh, the uh, 516 screws and a can of uh, turtle wax. So when they left your unit, Joe, that all the screws were back in. And all the whole unit had been waxed down and it was it, it was looking as best as it could. So when, when the husband came around or the, the f father came around to look at it, they would go, oh, my God, they, they really did something. They made a difference, you know. No, I, absolutely. I mean, those little things had a, had a lot like a lot of value. And that's one of the things I, I talk about. So, you know, those little changes, those little things that cost 
not a lot of money can add so much value and and add so much to your you know your bottom line in the in the long run there. Um, now, Terry, I'm curious, what did your family think when you were, uh, I, I mean, I, when you were like, I want to get a bike and, and like that showed that you were like, I'm going to do something that's entrepreneurial and then eventually turn that, you know, years down the road into, uh, I'm a business owner and, and now I'm helping other business owners. Uh, I'm not sure I understand the question. Um, so how, how did your family take you? All right, let's, all right, let's go back to. How did your family take it when you were like, I'm going to go from working on air conditioning units to uh, helping other business owners? Oh, that's uh, that's a great story. Um, first of all, um, the, my parents, both my mom and my dad have you know, been we were just a family filled with love. We didn't have a lot of money because we were military, but we didn't know that part. Uh, so there was often like my mom was a big proponent in in don't say you can't do anything because you can do whatever you put your mind to it, that concept. So that was the the household we grew up in. My father was the same way. Um, he, he just didn't believe that. So um, after proving myself in the air conditioning business, you got to remember that most of the people when I first started said I wouldn't be in business six months, obviously with no car, no truck and no money. Um, but I had this willingness, this, this desire to succeed. I've always had that ever since I was a kid for some reason. And so when um, I took this on the road to, to corporate, um, my mom said, um, uh, said, well, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm going to go help this, this small company. And how are you going to get paid, son? And I said, now I'm you know, in my 40s at this time. And she said, how are you going to get paid? And I said, commission. She goes, oh, I don't know about that. And I said, well, yeah, you know, the more I, uh, customers I call on, the more closings I have, the more money I make. She goes, I'm not sure about that. And I said, OK, well, anyway, so we got so she worried, you know, a little bit about this. And so I now get my uh, get good paychecks coming in and, and all that stuff coming in my direction. And then I got the offer to go to the region. And I, so I was explaining to her, you know, I'm going to get promoted and I'm going to go into the regional level and do what I do. She goes, oh, good. She says, and how much how much will you get paid for doing that, son? And I said, well, commission only. She Joe, she threw up her hands. She said, oh, no, I've had enough of this commission only stuff. But um, so uh, making that transition, you know, you have to be, you know, I take that from the uh, Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich. Um, I learned, read that book in 1984, and I make it a practice to read that book once a year, uh, even to this day. And in the book, it talks about how you go to work for free, you know, in order to prove yourself. So there was a lot of uh, times I went to work on commission. I said, well, just let me show you my system and, and, um, uh, I'll put it together and I'll be glad to work for commission only, you know, as long as the commission structure was, uh, you know, to where I could make some money. So again, you have to, sometimes you have to be willing to take on, uh, the responsibility just for the learning. Cause I didn't know that my system was going to work in the, in the regional level. It had worked in a store level. Uh, but again, you know, you're going in, you're looking at, you know, like in this case, it would have been 17 franchises to implement my system in and that type of stuff. So you have to, you know, sometimes you have to be willing to work for, um, for the learning. No, I, I, I hear you. I think that was great, um, that you put yourself forward in a way that, uh, you could structure it so you could get a commission out of it. I think a lot of people wouldn't necessarily think of it, it that way. Um, 
or or think of a, a way to make that so that it works for both you know both parties so i i, I think that's that's awesome um terry what's your hobby outside of of business uh two two things uh one i'm a shriner uh which is if you know anything about the shrine <coughs> excuse me um we have 22 hospitals and we do all of our philanthropy work is for our kids. Uh, so that and then um, that is just so much fun because, I mean, you can participate in all kinds of ways to to raise money. Um, so that and then also I love golf. Uh, golf has been one of the games that have, um, uh, you know, provided uh, excellent place to build rapport. Um, a lot of uh, relationships are built on the golf course. Um, it's a place of integrity, honesty. Um, you, th- there's no room for any any types of cheating or any of that because you you just won't be asked back. I got, um, I woke up one Sunday. It was a tea time, and I lived literally three blocks from the golf course. And it was Joe. It was pouring down rain in you know in my front yard, and I said, "Well, I'm not going to go because it's raining," you know. And so I didn't show up. And then my foursome uh, came to me and said, "Look, if, uh, why didn't were you why weren't you there?" And I said, "Well, you know, it was raining." And they said, it "Wasn't raining at the golf course?" I said, "I live three blocks from the place." He says, "Doesn't matter. It wasn't raining. You show up." You know, so that's one thing they believe in. It doesn't matter if it's pouring buckets. You show up for your tea time. Um, you may not play. You may sit around, play cards or do something else. But you always show up for your tea time. So many, many relationships are struck there. I've, I've landed lots of accounts simply. Now, the money's not changed hands at the golf course, but the relationships are. Absolutely. The uh you know, it's funny is you also live in Florida, so so it's you know it could be raining uh, one block, not the other block, and oh, that's true, and, and that's one true. and like three minutes, and then uh, you know ten minutes later, it's it's completely like sun's out, like it didn't even rain. Um, and w- there is some funny thing about energy around a golf course. You, you when you get to play golf as as much as I've been, you can almost feel when you get close. You go, oh, there's a golf course around here. I can feel it. And then right down the road, there'll be a golf course on the on the on the right hand side, so to speak. But there has been times actually where um, where the you can see the rain coming at you. You can see the clouds come, and then as it gets to the golf course, it just kind of goes around it. And and I know it sounds kind of uh, funny about that but it's true i mean there has been many times that it doesn't rain on the golf course just simply because we're we're out there or it's a drizzle it's not like a monsoon but you know it doesn't happen all the time but yeah 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 yeah, yeah. well i want to remind everyone that they're listening to the business podcast i'm your host super joe pardo and i'm having the pleasure of interviewing terry ogburn terry what's been the biggest roadblock for you to overcome um, leads back to what we talked about earlier, uh, people's egos. Um, they, they have this, uh, uh, this, um, mindset that their world is unique. So you, again, you have to, you have to share with them, um, your stories because in my world, the more stories that you have, uh, and, and the dilemmas, I mean, I've been involved in some, some pretty, you know, one, uh, uh, client, you know, may have been on the verge of Chapter 11. I have taken companies that were uh, uh, that were in Chapter 11 and helped them grow out of it and actually 
um, turn their company around. And, and 80 percent of the companies that go into Chapter 11 um, uh, usually fail. So uh, don't come out of it. So um, roadblocks are just getting people outside of their e egos. There's a great book called The um, the Five Temptations of a CEO. I recommend every person that's starting a business to read that book. And you'll get a good perspective on um, to set your ego aside. Ego is fear-based. So we must remove ego from, from our world. You know, be more like Warren Buffett, you know, honesty, modesty, humbleness. That's what it, it takes um, to be a good uh, business leader. Uh, we have there are three stages in business. There's the infant stage when you first start your business. It's your little baby. It's your infant. And then after a while, what will happen is you'll grow into adolescence where and everybody has teenagers knows that they're the smartest people in the world. You know, so um, so we get stagnated there because we get to a point to where we're do, we hire somebody, we bring them on and we want them to do some a certain amount of work for us. And then uh, they mess it up a little bit and then we jump in and want to fix it. OK. And then we we train the employee then to carry it to this, you know, this far and then they'll mess it up and then they know you're going to come in and fix it. And so that's where this ego comes in. Well, Terry, I have to be there to fix the problems. And my philosophy is, no, you empower your team to fix the problem. You want them to come to you with with uh, two solutions for every problem. If they'll, they may, you know, you encourage them to come back with the solutions for their, their problem. You may have the answer to their problem. They may come up with an answer that's far better than yours. I've seen many times where uh, just empowering the team member to think it through. They're at a level. They're at the technician level. They're there in the trenches. And, you know, I've said many times I would have loved to to have done it that way. I just didn't have the tools at that time. So I was only left with with I, I wish that I had a machine gun, so to speak. You know, I didn't have that. You know? um, but I can give your I can give your listeners four things right now. And if you guys want to write this down, I can give you four things that will will cause you to break through any belief system that you, you, we want to challenge our beliefs. You know, oh, we can't be this can't be done. Well, let's challenge that. And the four things are this. First, you have to make the, uh, the decision. You you have to commit, you know, like the old saying, burn the boats. You got to commit that this is what you're going to do. This stuff of of trying to work a full-time business and then, a, uh, you know, work a full-time job and then start your business on the side or whatever. Okay. I can get that from the standpoint of doing your due diligence. But once you know that you have a product or service that is, that you can, um, that you can change, you know, have, make a change in the neighborhood, then make that decision. Go for it. Don't look back. Number two, disciplines. In order to to stay on, on on target, you must have disciplines in your life, and these disciplines are getting up, you know, exercising, um, doing everything it takes to make sure that your decision is um, first and foremost. Um, and then number three is you have to be decisive. So. You have to, you know, I give every one of my clients permission to procrastinate on anything that 
that doesn't pertain to their goals. So procrastinate on anything outside of their goal process, but be decisive about what you're going to do, what you're going to spend your time on, what projects you're going to be working on. Make sure that every decision you're making is moving you towards your goal or whatever you want. Like with my clients, I first thing I want them to do is fill out a five-year dream sheet so that they under, so I understand what it is they want out of life. Where do they see themselves five years from now? And then we take the business and we bridge that gap. As you know, that's my that's my purpose is bridging the gap um, from that. And then the fourth and most important one is vision. See, if you don't visualize it, everything that we have, everything that's around us was created first in our minds. Okay. Once it's created in our mind, then we can disseminate it onto paper. And then once we put it on paper, it has a more likelihood of coming uh, to fruition. If you looked in my condo, you would see nothing but uh, my condo is nothing but one large vision board. It, there's constant. There's things all around me that remind me of why I'm doing. I have a golf ball to the uh, left or to the right of my. Um, uh, computer and it's got the Nike sign on it and it's just a reminder to what? Just do do it. it. (laughs) Okay. So we can put these little pictures in front of us that causes our vision to come more and more true. So we think in pictures. So why not keep pictures in, in front of us? I don't know. Absolutely. I mean, I know you can see my, my studio. (laughs) So I definitely, um, I definitely resonate with that, and uh, even even before I moved out of my 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 uh, or well, even before I grew up and still like lived in my my childhood bedroom, like my whole wall was full of pictures, uh, and and like you couldn't even see the wall uh, in most cases. So, no, I totally agree. Having that vision is is super super important. Um, it's something that even like my dad, uh, you know, thinking back as a child, like telling me like, look, w- well, what do you want to do in ten years? You know, and then you, you know, then you figure out how to make it happen. So, um, absolutely, I, I totally agree with that entire list. Uh, so, I, I'm curious, uh, what was your childhood dream growing up? Well, um, just to um, first of all, the uh, I had several. I was I was a dreamer. My dad, I, I drove my dad crazy because I always had these these these. In fact, I thought I was an alien, you know, really. I, I thought I was in a different planet because I didn't think the way most people. When I was 12 years old, um, my dad, dad announced his retirement. Um, he was going to retire from the, the military. And I didn't like that at all, Joe, uh, because I was going to lose. My thought was I was losing base privileges and, and all that stuff. And, and my dad says, well, son, let me explain something to you. He says, if I stay in the service, um, I'm only going to get half pay. He says, because if I retire now, they're going to give me half my pay right now. So I would only be working for half pay. He says, I'm going to come out and I'm going to go to work in the VA. And what I'll do is be able to carry all my uh, seniority and all my stuff over with them. And then I'll get paid time and a half for my work. And I said, great, Dad. I want to retire when I'm 40. He goes, you go for it, son. Because my dad was 40 years old when he retired. The first time. So he um, so anytime, you know, one time it was uh, my goal was to grow my hair long. okay? because my dad hated long hair and I was a surfer. So um, I just grew my hair as long as I could possibly grow, grow it. Um, And then my goal was to be a surfer. 
That's all I really wanted to do. So I would cut class. I would do anything I could to go be at the beach and and do that. Of course, it wound me up in military school uh, in my senior year because of all my shenanigans. Um, I've always been some sort of uh, entrepreneur. I was always into making money somehow. I wanted to make money. Um, and it reminds me of the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad's, um, you know, book, Robert Kiyosaki's book, when he talks to his dad about making money and he was actually making, uh, taking, melting down lead toothpaste holders and creating lead nickels in a thing. And that his dad says, I'm sure that's not what they mean by making money, son. <laughs> that will put you in jail. So, uh, but I was like that. I was always trying to figure out how to turn, um, to make money, uh, somehow, whether it was cutting lawns, um, you know, it, it, anything, it really didn't matter. So it was an easy transition for me to, to go into business. Uh, even when I was in the car business, it was like being in your own business because you got commission only. So you, you know, um, you can, you can determine your own wealth. Uh, so, and I can I can definitely feel the uh, resin. Uh, uh, I I feel the common bond there between feeling like an alien, uh, especially around like a bunch of you know my friends growing up, uh, for having similar type thoughts and stuff like that. Even though I come from a, a you know sixth generation business owner, um, of course that's now not when I was you know growing up. Though I did, uh, I remember selling a lot of things like in like a wagon door to door when mm-hmm. we were growing up too. So it's not like it was it was completely out of the realm for me. Um, Terry, what do your dreams for the future look like at this point? Well, um, good question. Uh, one of the things that that uh, my uh, business development side of my business is producing a nice recurring income for me. So now I want to take and branch out and I want to become the business development guru. So um, the, what that means is I'm getting on podcasts now. I'm sharing my stories and the things that, that uh, how I can help others uh, grow their business. Um, I would like to be recognized um, as a go-to person for people who want to, um, you know, to excel in business. My vision is that I have a, uh, occupy a, a floor of a building and that will be people there that are putting together marketing plans for companies or putting together budgets and performas. They're putting together, um, uh, the infrastructure for the companies, um, the, I have an idea that I will train CEOs that you can actually come into my school and I will um, I will train you on how to become a CEO. People uh, oftentimes think they're CEOs or they give themselves the title. I was working with this lady and she her she named her company Vading Incorporated and she said, now what should I put on my business card, president or CEO? And I said, neither. I said, because if you if you put that title on your card and you hand it to another CEO and he asks you a CEO question and you don't have the answer to it, then you're going to prove yourself to not be who you say you are. So just don't put anything on there and let them connect the dots. Vaden Inc. and your name is is uh, Vaden Danielson. So they'll get it. Uh, so you don't have to. Uh, but a lot of people, you know, want these titles and all this uh, stuff in their on their cards. And that's not really what they they want. What they want is to be recognized and as a leader in their industry. So I want to help those with the economy, the way it's turning around, the way things are going with uh, the, you know, the, the economy. This is a great opportunity to to be able to get out there and help people. Um, so that's my dream. 
No, I, I, I love that. I, you know, I, I definitely, I've struggled with that too. Um, I, I ended up settling on owner instead of president or CEO or anything like that. Um, just because if you're like, to me, like if you're the owner, like it's, it's the truth, right? You own 100% of whatever it is. Uh, you're not in a position of president unless you have a, like other people to be president of, you know, um, I will, um, how about, um, I'm big on t- titles you know, I, I really, I'm, I, and not that titles are, are, but words are important. Vocabulary is very important. So my suggestion for you and for others would be, how about founder instead of owner? How about a, a nicer word that means it's, it has a lot more, you know, pizzazz to it. I'm the founder of this company. Yeah, no, I mean, that's actually, it's funny because you say that because like for, for my Mid-Atlantic podcast conference, I write founder and and something, but I use the word founder for that as an organization, um, very small organization with like only a couple of people to, to its name. But yeah, I, that's a, that's a fair, it's a fair point, point taken. And I, I will okay. be, I will, I will, I will start updating my LinkedIn profile right after we get <laughs> off this. Cause that does, you're right. That does sound a lot better now that you're, you're reflecting it back to me. <laughs> one of, one of the things that, um, that I've learned too, Joe, is that study your competition. You know, we don't spend enough time studying our competition. Um, and my rule is study your competition and do none of it. Figure out ways to do do it better than what your competition is doing. Um, think of it this way: if all this, if the school of fish are going to the left, you be the guy that goes to the right because the shark is going to go after all of those little fishies, and you're going to be over there by yourself. So nobody's going to be messing with you. So, no, I, I definitely definitely agree with that. Um, Terry, how can people connect with you online? Well, um, my LinkedIn, Terry Ogburn uh, at LinkedIn, um, Terry Ogburn uh, on Facebook. Um, and let's see, we have Facebook, LinkedIn, and my Twitter account is Terry Ogburn. So everything is Terry Ogburn. So uh, they can connect with me in several Ogburn's Business Solutions has its own page. I have a university page that uh, where I'm, uh, that's where one day I'll have my uh, Ogburn University um, so those are the, the easy places to get a hold of me. Awesome. Well, I will definitely have those in the show notes and I know that you have a free offer that you'd like to offer, uh, all of my audience. Yes, I, I do. And thank you for that. Um, I have, uh, an offer that, uh, is a half hour of free coaching with me. Um, no sales pitch, no upsells or anything like that. It's just that if you have a challenge or your, your audience, a member of your audience has a challenge all they do is go to terryogburn.com, uh, click on the Contact Us um, uh, tab, and there they can fill out a, um, their name and their email address and, and a challenge that they're having. They state that. We'll connect. Uh, we'll set up a half-hour uh, consultation, uh, and we will. I promise I will roll up my sleeves. We will solve the problem before you, we, get off the, we get off the call. Absolutely. I, I love it. Terry, thank you so much for taking the time today. Uh, I'd love to have you on the show again. Uh, is there any last thoughts you'd like to share before we wrap up here? 
Just once again, Joe, thanks for having me on your call. And um, it's been fun. I mean, you, you've made it delightful. You, know, you smile. And, you, and that's what, like you said in the beginning, it's, uh, it's all about making fun. So thank you for allowing me to be on your show. And, and I look forward to coming back. Oh, you're very welcome. Yeah, I definitely will have you on the show again in like a year or so to, to catch up and see how everything's, are, everything's going for you. Um, if you've enjoyed this episode, make sure to hit that subscribe button, whether it's on iTunes or, or YouTube or wherever you're listening to this. Hit that subscribe button. It does help the show get more exposure. And if you could just share this episode with someone else that could get something out of it, I would greatly appreciate it. Terry would greatly appreciate it. Uh, I look forward to seeing you all next week. Terry, thank you so much again for your time. Thank you so much as well. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Business Podcast featuring Super Joe Pardo. Get more business content at superjoepardo.com. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on The Business Podcast, send an email to joe at superjoepardo.com. The Business Podcast is copyrighted to 234 Solutions, LLC.